0: Good afternoon. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is the Healthy Options Program on WERU. On today's show, we're happy to welcome back Cindy Pearson. Cindy Pearson is the former executive director of the National Women's Health Network, the first grassroots women's health organization to bring the voices of women to Washington, D.C. The National Women's Health Network began in 1975 with a mission to improve the health of all women by developing and promoting a critical analysis of health issues, of health issues, and that, of course, is in order to affect policy and support consumer decision-making. During the 33 years that Cindy worked at the network, she became one of the nation's best-known advocates for women's health. She also is well-known for her leadership in bringing grassroots organizations together, and uh, allowing them to press for accountability from the government and other powerful entities, Cindy often testified before Congress, the National Institutes of Health and the FDA, and was frequently featured on in the news as a consumer expert on women 's health issues. Cindy retired from the national women 's Health network earlier this year and continues support to support the organization and its advocacy in whatever way she's, she can she also um, we also need to acknowledge, now she didn't put this in her bio, but I'm going to tell you uh, that when she retired, she received a congressional resolution in honor of her outstanding contribution to the health of women and girls. Congratulations, Cindy Pearson. And she is our guest and was our guest on Cindy uh, on Healthy Options back in 2013, believe it or not, all those years ago. And a lot has happened since then, um, or has it? And that will be a question we'll we'll have to answer. I have a quote here from Cindy. That here it is: Women want effective treatments, accurate information, research on health questions that are important to them, and above all, respectful treatment. We'll talk about that, too. We've invited Cindy Pearson to WERU today to discuss some of these treatments in particular and what's happening now in the field of advocacy for women's health. And we are going to be uh, going into great deal of, of, of detail about osteoporosis and treatment and, and uh, all of that kind of uh, information, which has been um, Something that's uh, very, very relevant and prevalent uh, for women and uh, in the forefront of their their questioning today of health. Welcome back to Healthy Options, Cindy Pearson. It's a pleasure to speak with you again here on WERU. Thanks, Rhonda. It's great to be back. So you're so modest, not your congressional (laughs) honor. That doesn't happen often. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it meant a lot to me actually. Yes,
0: it was it came as a surprise. So, well, good, good. Um, so where do we begin? You've you thirty three years of advocacy. You certainly have a lot of information and a lot of history about the work that uh that that needs to be done and is continuing to be done and the accomplishments that we've made in women's health. Um, and now right here in the uh, newest edition of the um women's the women's health advocate. From the uh, National Women's Health Network, you wrote an, uh, a really uh, in-depth article on strong bones or heavy bones. Let's find out, and let's find out what yeah. what do, what do yeah. we what do we need to know about osteoporosis and and the treatment and how uh, it's affecting women. So
1: um, it's Rhonda. It, it's just such an interesting story of. The rise of feminism, of the purchasing power of the baby boomers, including baby boomer women, especially white women, and the um, the evolution of drug company marketing directly to consumers. It's a it's a it's a it's a complicated story. So, in the seventies, there were women, older women, who suffered. F- severely from untreated and unrecognized osteoporosis. And and what that means is weak or fragile bones. And the suffering was fractures, painful, disabling fractures. And it happened much more to women than to men. And the sexism and ageism of the time just left it as a sort of unexamined, untreated, you know, there were, who knows, five experts, 10 experts in the United States researching it. So it was an area that, that was ripe for a feminist criticism of, hey, the, the health issues of older women are important. This country had been through a very aggressive attempt to, to strike right at the health issues of importance to midlife and older men because they were who was important. They were the earners, they were the drivers, they were the doers, they were the creators. And with that effort, the rate of heart attack heart disease and men had dropped by a third, you know, through national attention and, and focus. So, you know, osteoporosis, breast cancer was what got a lot of news starting in the 80s, but osteoporosis was a little bit similar of let's address this. And um, at the time, because estrogen menopause, menopause hormone therapy, back then it was called estrogen replacement therapy, which was a, a sneaky mind game to to tell us that we were deficient as we got older and needed to have our hormones replaced, it was common, and the, it was common enough that uh, uh, you know people could observe that if you were on estrogen for many, many years, you were less likely to have those painful fractures. The fractures the most disabling was the hip fracture, which could happen sometimes just not doing anything, not a fall could could stimulate it, but just leaning over to make the bed. And the hunched spine. Um, you know, we've all seen it. We know what it looks like. We know that someone who has a hunched spine can't uh, move as freely is is more frail. They're often very, very uncomfortable living with chronic um uh pain and uh the inability to really just take a deep breath. Um so those are those were things that didn't happen as much to women who were on long-term hormone therapy. Other bad things happened to women on long-term hormone therapy. And we uh, pressed for the government to really grasp that through a study. That study happened, showed that what had been observed was correct, that long-term estrogen or estrogen plus progestin lessened the chance of these bad fractures in old age, but it caused a lot of other problems. Some forms increased the risk of breast cancer, all of them increased the risk of blood clots, strokes, um, gallbladder surgery. So by that point, it was clear this should not be the strategy to help women age healthfully and avoid these bad fractures. And smart chemists working for drug companies came up with a different approach, totally different approach, not using hormones. Um, And it was called bisphosphonates. It's uh, a type of drug now quite common. They've been on the market in the United States for more than 20 years. It's um, a type of drug that burrows into living bone and stops the process of bone, the the normal process of bone breakdown and repair. So it stops further bone loss. Um, And uh, these drugs, you know, became bestsellers, and it was a mixed blessing. So maybe so I should was, pause a second and let you, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, get, give me a question that guides me in the direction you want to go, because no, no, I'm, I'm telling a long history about osteoporosis, but I, I not think we need today.
0: To hear, <laughs> I think we need to hear this history. I don't think people are aware of it. And the and the, the drug that you're talking about is, one of them is Fosamax, because people yes, are sitting Fosamax, out there going, right. what am I taking?
1: and right. um, um, Fosamax, Alendronate. Um, you know, there are quite a few now. Yeah. And you'll know if you're taking it because if you take it by mouth, you have to sit up and you can't uh, take it with anything but water and you can't lie back down after you take it. So it's a a, a pretty annoying well, <laughs> approach, but that's to... Um, It's important because it's to avoid the risk of irritation and and actual damage to the tissues of the um, of the the inside the body as as the uh, pills make their way down to the stomach. You don't
0: want it stuck in your throat or esophagus; it can uh, create cancer. So, a very happy uh, right idea. Yes. So, well, right. Yeah. So
1: these bisphosphonates. You know, you always want something that treats the problem, and we knew there was a problem of older women with these disabling fractures, and the first studies on the first one, which was Fosamax, showed it did make future fractures less likely. Okay, that's great. But the but, drug company wanted a bigger market and that's the, you know, the good and the bad, like our country can rush to um, create something for a new market. That's a good thing. And then the the drive of, of the stock market is to make as many drugs as possible uh, blockbusters. So the company looked for prevention and of course, you know, we'd all rather not get these disabling fractures, in a, in addition to wanting there to be a good treatment when we get them. And so prevention by you know, prevention—that's a great thing. But what would be the best prevention? Would it be tai chi? Would it be exercise? Would it be a, a different kind of exercise than tai chi? Would it be a combination of of foods and um, supplements? Uh, you know, what what? And there's not there's not the financial um, uh, incentives to study those things in the same way or market what we find out. If if say we found out that tai chi. Or a combination of, uh, of weight bearing exercises, and right? Yoga, yoga. And, right?
0: You know, seaweeds. Uh, take it. Take from. Uh, the, we could do a cultural study. Do Japanese women who eat more seaweeds have the same kind of health osteoporosis in quotes as uh, Western right. women? And I, right. we do know that that the body actually absorbs calcium and minerals much easily, much more easily through food and through the things like like seaweeds, and and. But let's, you know, in, in the medicine yeah. I do, in other medicines, people talk about those kinds of things. But right now, we're talking about the largest, um, the big market, the big Western right, medical. Right. What, gets, what gets marketed? What and gets what, marketed? What gets What do doctors get instructed? What What is the teaching? Yeah, right. But so when you right, go in right. to see your very well-meaning, really talented physician, what, what, what are they being told to, to tell you? That's a really but, good point. Um, so,
1: so the we're, here the, we are these... with
0: yo, go ahead <laughs> with the a <Fosfax. laughs>
1: right, so here's this breakthrough, first type of new drug, and it happened at a time when not only were drug companies very used to sending out their salespeople to have conversations with physicians about new products, they call it. Education, we call it selling, marketing. right? Marketing. Uh, marketing, yeah. Um, they had recently gotten the okay to place ads in places where consumers would see them directly magazines, radio, TV. This is a little before the internet, but those were big. And that turned out to be a very profitable marketing strategy. For drug companies marketing directly to consumers and because osteoporosis was well known to the oldest folk who have suffered or knew someone who suffered but pretty much unknown to to middle-aged folks and and you've got to get middle-aged folks because there are a lot more of them and at the time they had insurance for prescription medicines, but older folks through Medicare did not. So when bisphosphonates were approved for first for treatment, then for prevention, there was a business strategy of how do we get um, the middle-aged women eager to consider this, and get um, and and sort of build a pipeline of a funnel, and that's where screening with DEXA or that's a, that's a, um, it's a, um, an initial DXA of, uh, an abbreviation for dual energy, uh, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it, but I know what it is. It's a type of x-ray that looks at the bones and gets, uh, calculation of how dense they are.
0: So we have the, uh, I know, it's a, it's a tongue twister, say it three, 10 times quickly. <laughs> it's the X-ray absorptometry, DEXA. Yes, thank you, Rhonda. Energy, thank dual you. energy X-ray absor- absorptometry, Absorptiometry. okay. Right, right. But, and we know this, um, many of, the, of our listeners will have been said, well, you're getting, you're over 60 now, time to go get your DEXA. Yes, analysis. that's right.
1: That's exactly right. We're all told that now. Um, insurance covers it now. And um it's almost you know, rite of passage, especially for women who might be in their 70s or 80s now. They might have been told that in their 50s, at, because it, when it first hit the the market, the um the drug companies you know, um sort of their entanglement with guidelines setting bodies and uh, bodies that set recommendations was so intense that they were able to not only get it recommended for all women starting at age 50, but to create a new category um, to spark... To, to give physicians something to write down on a medical chart and to spark action by this audience that they wanted to target to create the blockbuster. And that category is called osteopenia. And it it has no relation to what's observed in the bone. So if if for some reason you had part of your bone biopsied or after death, your, your, your bones were studied. Osteoporosis is visible. It's a condition. The bones look, you know, um, lacy and, 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 and fragile and brittle. They look, they, they look different. Osteopenic bones do not look different. They measure differently Uh and, and, boy, was that a genius marketing idea. It caused a lot of problems, a lot of problems for a lot of middle-aged women before uh, kind of evidence and rationality and public health won out. But there there was a generation of women who were told, do this for yourself. And they were told by docs who marketed it, who had heard a marketing message. They were told by women's organizations that took grants from drug companies. And they were told by the... The most um, appealing, friendly celebrities: Sally Fields. Um, oh gosh, the the uh, the African woman, American woman who sang "Whole New Attitude." It was just like, "I want a whole new attitude." I want to take this too. There, there were there were just you know, brilliantly um, packaged ads directly towards women. Uh, uh saying you know you you don't want the, to turn into one of these old hunched frail uh, uh really old women you want to stay active in your your um in your exercise gear and be strong and and um and able physically able as you age so you need this you need this test you need this drug and it worked and it was it had some really sad outcomes for oh. A certain so, percentage of women
0: and now this is where we do the this is not a commercial break but this is where now we're up to the point where we get to find out the uh the 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 big the big The big uh, reveal right here. But first, if you've just tuned in, (laughs) this is the Healthy Options Program on WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman. Today we're speaking with Cindy Pearson, the longtime grassroots organizer and advocate for women's health and the former executive director of the National Women's Health Network in Washington, D.C. And we are discussing DEXA and osteoporosis and biophosphates. And, and now we're, we're at the part of the, uh, the story, our history, where women are being told to stay vibrant and healthy. We need to take this so that we, our bones stay healthy. However, however, however here yeah. we go. Let's, let's get yeah. the however. Yeah. The, the, so the other when, shoe drops.
1: Right. Whenever something is taken in, on a long-term basis by millions and millions of people, some on expected things show up, and what was unexpected in this case was um, fractures of the thigh bone with no force, no trauma, just you know walking down the street, washing dishes in the kitchen, um, you know things that in 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 prior were super rare. I mean, those thigh bones are strong as heck and they don't fracture unless you're in, you know, a terrible accident. And yet they were. And so people figured it out pretty quickly. This is um, happening in women who are taking Fosamax, Alendronate, um, some of the other bisphosphonates that were on the market by then.
0: Also, jaw... Jawbone deterioration. Yes, and-
1: yes, yes. It's less common and seems um, more to happen after a real assault uh, to the jawbone, like a surgery. You know that I shouldn't say assault, but a real yes, stress it on the jaw jaw jawbone, jaw like a surgery. So on un- it, that was less likely to happen just out of the blue, but still devastating and and particularly the heartbreak of this was that the women who I heard speak about their experience with these um, unprovoked thigh fractures were all healthy. That all started out on a pathway of, I'm healthy. I want to stay healthy. This DEXA test is recommended. Oh, I have osteopenia. Oh, I need a medicine. And that, that path that led to so many women having Um, unprovoked thigh fractures is now much narrower. Many fewer people are going down that path because we and others, including independent guideline setting bodies, looked more closely at the evidence and found there's really no point in doing these screening tests before age 65 in general. There's so, a caveat. There's a caveat. If, if you have to take um, uh, glucocortico- or st- steroid uh, medicines for another condition, then it, is, um, it may be advisable to get a screening test earlier. But otherwise... Don't even do it until you're over 65.
0: So, so uh, by the way, when you say we, you're talking about the Na- National Women's Health Network. Yes, right? thank, nice. You. Nice. thank you. Thank you. We, the we, for those who just joined us, because uh, Cindy Pearson, who our guest here, is, of course, the former executive director of the National Women's Health Network. And they, of course, are still doing all of this advocacy work. And so is Cindy uh, as she continues in her career here and <laughs> her advocacy work. <laughs> but well, that's, that is the work that, um, that because of those studies to, to say, well, people don't, don't need to take this every day forever, but that was, right. at, at, and what are we, we're in the eighties or nineties here. Where are we? So the, the drugs were approved in the nineties and the change
1: came in the, um, around 2011, 2012. Goodness. So um, there was a, f- a combination of forces that came together, including the Affordable Care Act's um, coverage of screening tests with no, um, no extra fees if they were rated highly by this independent guideline setting body that the drug companies don't influence. Uh, the FDA also changed its The the technical language of its approval of the bisphosphonate drugs to say that they shouldn't be used for more than three to five years.
0: So So, yeah. So let's talk about a little bit uh, because we have a very uh, well very educated audience um, and and people are learning. What does this drug do? So we said that it goes in and it's it, it it. it actually goes into the marrow. It goes yeah. into the bone and it's What Maybe you can explain that so people so, can know why so, would it, why would it cause a fracture? What, what, what's so going on? I'm a
1: lay act. I'm a lay activist. I, I'm yes. part of a, you know, feminist health movement that believes that, that lay people can learn as much as they want to about their health and then have the level of decision-making about it that they want, whether that's just better informed to understand what a, A a professional saying or being part of the decision. And so I'm not speaking as a nurse or doctor, I'm speaking as a lay person who's learned this, you know, to advocate, be a better advocate for women's health. There are two types of cells in our bodies that we have when we're born and when we die called osteoclasts and osteoblasts. And one of them builds up bone and the other choose up bone <laughs> this is the easy way we 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 learn to that's to, fine uh, right and this happens on a microscopic level and it happens throughout life and so you know when you're born you you obviously have to be building a heck of a lot of bone you got a lot of growing to do but there are still the cells that uh, chew up uh, break down bone when you die obviously you've been not building bone for any amount of t- years, Hopefully. but there are still some cells that build bone. The balance between them changes quite a bit through life, um, uh, and but they're always there. So what happens is these bisphosphonates are absorbed by the mineral structure of the bone. They have affinity to these minerals. Who knows what kind of Incredible chemists figured that out. I don't know. I don't get it. I just understand that they burrow in, and then they're there for years and years and years. And while they're there, the, the cells whose purpose is to chew up bone can't act. So in the big picture, yay, you have less dense bones. Now the, the medicine stops them from becoming even less Dense. Yay. But on the, you know, the lower level, the like peeling back a skin of the 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 layers of the onion, the next level of what's happening is that you needed that to be going on. You needed um chewing down and building up because it's repairing and strengthening the micro stresses that happen on our bones all the time. And so some very prescient or contrarian experts actually said is this going to make bones more brittle if we if we sort of hold them in st- stasis over a period of years and not all over so their their contrarian questions weren't totally right about our whole body but in the thigh and in the jaw it does seem in some low fraction of people it does seem that this this um good thing of holding the bones in stasis to keep them from getting less dense is also a bad thing um that they become they are in in stasis not losing density but they're losing strength
0: and our ability to repair, and it, our bodies are incredible in how we can really repair and take good care of ourselves when we're in balance, and we talk about that a lot here on Healthy Options. So if bones, you know, this idea we need to grow, and then we need to, things grow, and then they they are absorbed, grow and absorb, and, and when that's stopped, we can have un, unintended consequences, and that's what we're right, describing. Right. So they're saying yeah. five years is uh,
1: right so the fda now says now that this evidence is you know clear-cut based on the experience of millions of women who took the drug and then the very small fraction who had these previously unheard of rare you know um, not caused by a trauma fractures of the thigh. now the the cutoff is three to
0: five years so the re- the, in the article that you've done, we're, we're again Cindy, speaking with uh, uh, Cindy Pearson uh, right here on uh, Healthy Options, WERU Community Radio, former director, uh, executive director of the National Women's Health Network, if you've just tuned in. It's always good to know who you're listening to. Um, you also talk about some other options, and let's talk about what um, what what we've learned now we know that we we have now we know where we are, and we know about the DEXA studies. Are those accurate? What do we what have we learned about that? So, the actual the actual yeah, mechanism yeah. of getting They're, information about our bones?
1: So when you go in for a DEXA screening and you get your results, the first thing to know is that your the 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 thing that I described earlier in as a problem this this creation of a category called osteopenia that's still there that that we didn't solve that problem it's still there so you you could get a result that says normal you could get a result that says actual osteoporosis severe loss you might get a result in between that says osteopenia and that's the sneaky part of this that i just it still irks me because we older women are being compared to college students in San Diego, most of whom were white. And, you know, the issue of where women of color are and all this is is not a great story either, because they haven't been studied in the fullness that they need to be to know, is this less of a problem, which it appeared to be for most women of color um, in the 70s and 80s, just fewer of those really bad fractures. Um, But For those who it might be a problem, do these drugs work as well? So we are all, whether we're white or a woman of color, being compared to college students in San Diego who are mostly white. And I know that because I sat at the FDA advisory committee meeting when those studies were discussed. And I've been pissed off ever since because I went to college in San Diego. I'm of average height for a woman my age. I felt like I was living in a land of gazelles. I mean, people in San Diego are tall, they're in the sun all the time in a good healthy way, they're outside doing everything. I mean, that is like, how can we, any midlife and older person compare to these 20s something outdoor active folk? It's as if those fabulous older golfers who are on the Masters circuit were trying to compete with the 20 year olds. Our bones shouldn't look like they looked in their 20s. We're designed to release a lot of the extra calcium we don't need to nourish a fetus after menopause. So it's a it's a bit of a setup that you know you have to be, I don't know, how active and you know throughout your entire life to get a test at 65 that says you're in the normal range. I've never been able to find out what percent of test wow. results for older adults say normal, but a heck of a lot say osteopenic or, you know, and and, and the message then is often, oh, you're just on the way to osteoporosis. We got to get in here right now and give you some drugs so that you don't go on to osteoporosis. Um, and that's why we continued to be mildly critical of the Dexa screening test, even though it is accepted by an independent, non-drug company-influenced uh, body, and it's covered by insurance, and um, you know, in, it it meets a lot of standards for a good test, but there's still that built-in ageism, and the um, a, a, a drug company-created result that isn't really an actual condition of our bodies.
0: So the so the story continues. So, so the now- story
1: continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now um, there is a company in in uh, Europe that's created a software program. And um, <laughs> at one point a few years ago, the younger staff at FDA said, huh, "Well, it took some convincing, but finally we've convinced those old folks in the commissioner's office that software is a medical device." <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> a software program is a medical device in the oh, FDA's okay. world. Wow. So uh, software programs, uh, if they claim to diagnose um, huh. a condition, have to go through what's um, not really a full-blown approval, but an authorization. And so this, this program called Trabecular Bone Score, or TBS, has gone through the FDA process, it did not have to be tested in humans to prove that it would change the outcome of their uh condition which is what drugs go through um, but it proved that it was substantially equivalent to other things on the market and then with that for diagnosis
0: or um, for diagnosis yeah
1: yeah okay. yeah, yeah for to, it really they just proved that in some ways they were substantially equivalent to dexa but that that's not really what we care about. What no. we care about is what what do the what does this software program add to the X ray? So it's not a standalone. Um, you have to get the DXA DEXA X ray first, and at that time, the uh, the company or the 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 repl- the office where you've gone to get your DEXA, they've already decided. To add this software program. So for someone who's listening and thinking, "Wow, I want to do this!" If you know it's time for my Dexa, I need to get another one, or you know, I've I've reached the age where I'm going to get my first one. You ask when you make your appointment. Do you also use the TBS software? And if not, if you're in a part of the um, the country where you've got uh, options, you know, shop around. You don't have to go to the one place um, your primary care provider recommended, um, or you may have been given a handout that has you know a few choices. So call around and ask if TBS. It's called trabecular bone score, and it's a software program that takes the images that that are created by the X-ray, the DEXA X-ray, and analyzes them in a different way, rather than analyzing them for density it's trying to analyze them for strength and it seems to be a better predictor than DXA alone and that is great for one of course if someone is at you know pretty severe risk and adding this TBS information makes it clear and they do need treatment that's great that's great to know right cuz it it's a true yes. prevention, avoiding the very severe um, fractures. But our excitement about this is—it seems our that it, National Women's Health Network. Yes, thank you, National. When I wrote this article for National Women's Health Network just before I retired, what I explained was this is the first chance we've had in twenty-plus years of widespread DEXA testing to screen out some people. So DEX is designed to scoop in, you know, when it first hit the market, we looked at um, survey data and 50% of women over age 50 would meet the osteopenia definition, which was set up to be like that. Now, if TBS is added on, some, some of those people get a good news result that, okay, your bones are less dense than these Twenty-year-olds in San Diego in the sun—all you know, exercising in the sun all the time, all year round. Yes, your bones are less dense. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> or no surprise, I should say. However, when the TBS looks at the structures that um, you know that that give the images of strength, um, you look okay. So that's um, why the National Women's Health Network felt it was time to give our opinion about this. It's been been approved long enough that we have these results from uh, prospective long-term studies and um, to give our um, information about it so that people who are being advised to get a DEXA test can um, learn a little bit about the TBS software and make a decision to, um, ask if that's included as well when they get their DXA test.
0: So in in your article, you, you're, you say that, um, that just having a, a, a troubling DEXA report is not necessarily meaning that your bones are weak. Also, um, yeah. So here, what did you say? Here, you say uh, it should be personalized. You may have a bad DEXA but still have strong bones. But you may have a a, a good de- DEXA and still have weak bones. And that's something that that can be determined a little bit more accurately with. The, uh, Say it again. Uh, the TBS software. trabecular trabecular bone
1: score TBS software, right? Yeah. And there are there's some research going on that the National Women's Health Network wrote about a couple of years ago that at this point is still in the research stage, um, doing like super fancy MRI tests. They seem to 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 be better now. Uh, you know, MRIs can be more radiation and certain. Absolutely, is more expensive, so that's not ready to be a, a regular screening test. Yes, um, and there was another kind of research going on that we also that the National Women's Health Network also wrote about that's on its website. So there's this may not be the final answer for how do we really test for bone strength, not just for bone weight, um, but it's a step in the right direction. It's the first step in the right direction since mm. the DEXA was. Um, created and and made it widely available.
0: Well, that is, and I'm glad you brought up those articles because I have them right here. And I was (laughs) going to ask you um, if that was still accurate. If that's, if the research, because these are from, so one thing was from 2015 and something from 2017 and 18. Is that, uh, so are those? We've
1: we've stayed in touch with the um, the researcher uh, in New York City who's doing the work on the, on the, uh, sort of a specialized MRI, um, um, technique. And that research is still progressing. It's tough though, because the, um, the national institutes of health, which would be a great source of funding because this is of interest to, you know, importance to the health of older women. They feel like the, the, the condition is in, is well in hand and doesn't need more research funding. So, um, Looking for outside funders is tough, but that's what this this okay. the, the the five MRI so, research is so the we state can, it's in.
0: We can put this on with the caveat that this is still. Don't go running to your doctor asking for an m a, a special MRI. Yeah, no, right. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, and and I we we the ne- the National Women's Health Network does know with certainty that it hasn't been approved. It okay. It's not it's not authorized by so, FDA okay. as a screening test. Yes, and,
0: and and I know there's some other things that we talked that you talk about um, as as options. Let's let's talk about that. What is Prolia? What are these other drugs and Ah, uh, that, yes. Okay. And I, so, I actually told someone I was actually interviewing you, know, I was in anticipation, actually, someone at the station who said, oh, I can't take these other things, but somebody, they put me on Prolia. Find yes, out about so, that. Right. So here okay. I am. <laughs> right, right, right. And there's a
1: natural progression in medicine that's driven in part by the advance of knowledge. So... We originally knew that if you took menopause hormone therapy, you're less likely to fracture. Then uh, we started to see problems with that. So chemists looked for a different type of medicine. We got bisphosphonates; they work, but after these, you know, years of use, we see these these um, unintended consequences. So what else could we do? And and chemists looked at monoclonal antibodies, which are a type of medicine that suppresses a certain cell type in the body. But you said earlier um, in the show, Rhonda, our bodies are amazing, you know, just all of what is going on internally. And one of the amazing things about them is there's very few cell types that only have one purpose. So Prolia does get to um, Uh, work in a way that stops the chewing up of the bones, but doesn't um, burrow in. And so doesn't affect the, the, you know, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't stop a good process. It also allows the bones to build back up. So it's a big advance in that way. It's, it's the first treatment that allows and, and almost, you know, you could, you have a pretty good chance if you take this for a year or two, your bones, will likely be heavier um, at the end, which is buying you time right? That's what you think. You just, we just need to get into our graves with bones that haven't fractured, right? They don't have to be super heavy or, you know, everything just get us there oh, without up. the bad fracture. That's Cindy. Um, that,
0: this is an image that we will just sit with. I'm just going to stop. I won't talk more about this. Yes. We want to get into our graves with good bones. Okay. I'm, okay. Uh, that is, that. that's great. Okay. It is one way. If you've just tuned in, We're having too much fun here. Um, You're tuned to WERU Community Radio, and this is the Healthy Options Program. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and our guest today is Cindy Pearson, women's health advocate and mover and shaker as a grassroots organizer for women's health issues. She's the former executive director of the National Women's Health Network in Washington, D.C., and we are talking about ways of keeping your bones strong and DEXA and TBS software, and now we are discussing prolia, and we're discussing medicines to keep our our bones strong and we're also as because it's healthy options I'm also going to say good weight bearing exercise good foods good seaweed intake herbs and and good attitude and and standing up straight tai chi and yoga and and lifting good weights doing your band and exercises don't fall
1: don't fall. That's one of the, the, the things we joke about that. Just get into your grave without having a fracture. And if your bones weren't as dense or weren't even as strong, but if you didn't fracture, that's that's the end result we want, right? And if you, you, some fractures happen without a fall, and that's that's because the bones were so fragile, they just can't support themselves. But some fractures happen because of a fall and don't fall. And there's a whole other conversation we could have about will, the ways you can lessen the good the chance of falling and only. Working
0: on your balance, really understanding how your body me- mechanism works on that level. Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're talking yeah. about Prolia. I want to go back to, so, to, to, because these are things that women are going to, right today, after yes. they listening to the show, people are going to be going, oh, I have my um, yearly checkup with my physician. What right, are we, right. we going to tell them? To, to yeah. uh, so work on them because what's important to know. Here. So,
1: again, as a, as a consumer activist, I was at the FDA um, meeting and, and represented National Women's Health Network and spoke then um, about it. The chemical name is denos, Denosumab and its brand name is Prolea. And um, monoclonal antibodies that, that this form also increase the risk of serious infection. Now, it's a trade off. Like every drug, Mm. like driving a car, it's a trade-off. And I think most doctors are very candid about this. You know, you're going to have to watch for these certain um, signs of a a pro and and it could be a problem. So I want to hear from you right away if you see a sign of infection or something else. But the other thing that I don't think every doctor does tell women is you're not just agreeing to Prolia, you're agreeing to Prolia plus medicine after you stop Prolia. Because if you go off Prolia cold turkey, you lose bone very quickly. And there's a a real risk of having fractures in the spine within the first year after you stop. So the body has been put in an... you know, in a treatment that was changed, how it functioned for a while, the bone metabolism changed. And when that's withdrawn, it takes a while for the bone uh, metabolism to sort of rebalance. And during the immediate aftermath, there's a vulnerability. And so, you know, there there are women who definitely need prolia. Uh, or it's a decent thing for a doc to offer and for a woman to consider, but uh, women need to know that there, it's sort of a package deal that, and most of the follow-up medicines are the bisphosphonates. So if people are being told, okay, I would have put you on bisphosphonates. You can't take them. That makes sense. Let's go to prolia. There's this, this, this absolute, really important need for something after Prolia that you got to think about. I, uh, we, we advise, the National Women's Health Network believes that women should have the opportunity to think about that carefully before they start Prolia. So that's one thing I would say. If you're thinking of it, read up on that aspect. If you're already on it, it it's not intended to be used forever because the the other effects of monoclonal antibody um, would start to probably outweigh the good effects, Um, or that's the fear at least. Uh, Think about what you're going to do next.
0: It it says here in one of the articles from the National Women's Health Network, it says, uh, uh, do not... How do, you, how do you pronounce that? Denosumab. Denosumab. Denosumab is often recommended as a first-line treatment for women deemed to be at high fracture risk, yet the medication is very expensive and not always covered by insurance. Maybe that's changed now. Oh, um, we don't know. But um, but also that the idea of the uh, immune system, the idea of more risk of infection is, is there. So again it seems like we don't have a perfect uh, again no. we, we don't know what we don't really know we, it's a really these are you know six of one half a dozen of another we, we are really in a, a very difficult situation in in this in this in this, situ, in this case um, right. it seems like the tri, uh, the TBS software the trabicular bone score uh, with the dexa seems to be the most the least invasive um, at this point diagnostic tool and we can find out if we really need to be going down the medicine route. We might that, that many, many of us may not have to, and that, you know, like such as people with heart conditions, you know, not everyone needs the heart medicine. We know now, Oh, go on the Mediterranean diet, go do your exercise, lose 20 pounds. We know all of that. And then we can actually put this in the similar kind of category if we keep working on that.
1: Right in the United Kingdom, um, where National Health Service has to pay the cost of everything that happens to people because everyone's in the program, they send visiting uh, health visitors to homes of people who have been flagged as at risk for osteoporosis, and they do a home visit to reduce the risk of falls at home. You know, so all the things you described of exercise, activity, food. All that is important, of course, but also inside your house, slippery rugs, bad Get lighting, it. cords that run across, you know, and they actually, that pays off. It pays off in preventing fractures to send a home visitor. So, you know, we could, if it, it, because we don't have <laughs> a, a national health system that takes a global approach, we have to t- try to create it ourselves, which is a, is, is important and worth doing and, and reinforces, you know, the disparities, right? Because um, who has access to information,
0: who who
1: has access to information, who has, has time, who has money. Um, But, you know, we, we need to make, we need to, incremental steps are important and these are incremental steps that older women can do for themselves to read up on all of this and, and, and make the, lifestyle changes um that are are somewhat helpful and you know avoiding falls
0: well the fall the fall situation let's let's talk about that if you have area rugs i i, I say get rid of them i really i know they're beautiful i know you have your uh, very <laughs> whatever it is but those corners you can just trip right over a corner without even realizing it and you don't have to have osteoporosis to trip over the <laughs> over that rug um, right um, right. Yes, also where your stairs are. If you're re- renovating, if you're in a position where you're able to, really look at how you're putting your stairs in. Are they slippery? What material are you using? Um, going outside, does your deck, have, uh, uh, have you just refinished your deck with um, some of these wood treatments actually make your deck slippery? and you know you ha- want to mm-hmm. sometimes you can add sand and create uh, a surface so when you go uh-huh. out in the winter if you are in the uh, in the places where snow and ice accumulate which of course with global warming may be in places you never thought of before think about those things as you as you are 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 moving in or doing repairs or just assessing where what's safe in your home
1: yeah 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 yes
0: we have we have a, about, we have about about ten minutes left, or maybe a little less and I you know this has been so so useful already about the uh, the osteopenia the idea that 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 is a created a created diagnosis is so interesting to me um, and and then the marketing we really do need to be quite aware of 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 that. Can we talk a little bit way back at the beginning? You talked about what we know at the research that the National Women Health Health Network did and the testimony that I'm sure you were part of about how estrogen replacement and we did that, <laughs> that the language, let's talk about the language <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. uh, and, and how that we did learn that that is actually causing breast cancer it, for a, a lot of women. Let's just touch that in, in the last few minutes. What else What else we need to know about that? And we might have to have you back, we know we have to have you back to, to maybe discuss some of these other issues. But I think that that may be a question that's been left unanswered in our, our in-depth conversation here um, about, the hormones are still being di- uh, prescribed. What, what do we need to know?
1: Um, so some, some people who go through menopause when the ovaries uh, stop uh, producing as many hormones as during the reproductive years feel pretty uncomfortable. And there's a wonderful realm of things that can be done to try to reduce discomfort. If you have lots of hot flashes, wake up in the middle of the night, sweat. Um, And uh, estrogen is a great, I should say an effective treatment. It is an effective treatment for symptoms. And so let's not take that away. It's real. There's been some research since um, the last 20 years looking for other effective treatments. There's no silver bullet.
0: Yes, okay. We can, so the, there we go. Chi, you're, going through, you're going
1: through, right. Going through menopause that some people have symptoms, estrogens, a treatment for it. Other, there's a, some other treatments. There's lots of lifestyle stuff. That's, that's like a whole different world. <laughs> what we and a gener, a generation of women and a generation of physicians grew up with was the idea that menopause is a deficiency state and i sat at i can't tell you how many scientific conferences and listened to respected ob say that it's you know it's a deficiency state because you can measure and there's less there's less hormones than there were right more is better and, we're a western right more well well it's it's just ageism flat ageism and sexism and it's um it, you know, it is, is, uh, is pre puberty a deficiency state? No. Susan Love, wonderful Dr. <laughs> Susan Love, was the one who said that, you know, we're no more deficient after menopause than girls are deficient before puberty. So there are conditions of aging and what helps us avoid them. So the marketing was that we need to replace estrogen. And first, it was just flat sexist marketing in the 60s and 70s, just about crumpled, sexless, ugly, grumpy old women. Oh, my And But as feminism rose up, (laughs) the docs and the drug companies realized, we can't say that anymore. Let's talk about health. We'll talk about health. And they had osteoporosis fractures. That was real. And then they claimed... Heart disease, but they never proved heart disease, and it just, you know, just, just we were just suspicious. We were suspicious because we knew estrogen increased the risk of cancer of the lining of the uterus, and it seemed like maybe it um, increased the risk of breast cancer. But these were not carefully done studies; they were observational studies, and so the National Women's Health Network waged a decade long campaign and finally succeeded in getting the National Institutes of Health to do the study that drug companies never wanted to do. And they invited healthy women, 27,000 volunteered to be randomized either hormones or look alike pills that were just placebo, sugar pills. And they just had to stop the study early because it became clear that this was never going to prevent heart disease. They were getting no benefit, but it was causing strokes, causing blood clots, in some cases causing breast cancer, causing more um, gallbladder surgery, making urinary incontinence worse, and in a sub-study, making cognitive decline worse or more likely. So they stopped, the National Institute stopped the study, and they told the world the day of. And the women of the world listened, and estrogen... Um, therapy and estrogen plus progestin therapy prescriptions dropped by half, and breast cancer rates dropped the next year, and they've never come back up. Well, now it's not enough, it hasn't solved the breast cancer epidemic, but it was the largest drop ever.
0: Oh, that's and incredible! It's never come
1: back, it was an 8% drop. So, a- about um, 20,000. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. It's you know hundreds of thousands of women have not gotten breast cancer or heart disease that they would have um, some some Some, kind of heart disease that they would have gotten otherwise if those trends had stayed the same. Wow! So the fact that fewer people use it now is great. Some of those people, I'm sure, are using it for symptoms. Great, fine. As long as you're informed, you want to do that. Do that. Some women are okay. still being encouraged to, to use it for long-term prevention, and that is incorrect. That is not based on science okay. or evidence.
0: Well, we're going to have to leave it there. I cannot believe it. I, the, the, we, are, we are done, and we're going to have to have you back. There is no question to continue this conversation. Thank you so much. Our guest today has been Cindy Pearson, the former executive director of the National Women's Health Network, Again, thank you so much for talking with us. You can find the National Women's Health Network at nwhn.org. Of course, we'll have this all archived. We'll list the link and other information that was mentioned when we post our show to the Healthy Options Archives at weru.org. You can find our recent public affairs programs on demand at weru.org. Thanks to Joel Mann, Amy Brown at WERU for engineering support, to Petra Hall for production assistance. and as Always, thanks all of our, thank you all of our W E R U listeners and supporters. This is Rhonda Feynman wishing you the best in health.